is Brandon House Live. Whether the issue is law, science, economics, history, family, social issues, education, religion, government, or national security, Brandon brings the issues of the day into clear focus through the lens of a Judeo-Christian worldview. And now, here is your host, Brandon House. All right, welcome. Glad you guys are with us. Here we are, Tuesday night, February 20th. Hey, wait a minute. My anniversary is tomorrow. Hey, Thomas, remind me about that, will you, tomorrow morning? Uh, 33 years tomorrow. Uh, do not let me forget that, Thomas. Colonel John Mills, or I won't be at this desk tomorrow night. I'll be in the hospital with a broken arm. Uh, joining me tomorrow tonight is John Mills. Colonel John Mills. Selwyn Duke checks in tonight. We haven't had him on for a while. Uh, is there a country that is about to punish you and maybe even put you in jail if you decide you don't want one of their shots, one of their vaccines? He'll get to the bottom of that. We'll get an economic update from uh, our buddy Wes Peters as the uh, economies of the world uh, are, can, well, slowing down. There's even talk of recession in certain parts of the world. We also have several uh, clips to play for you tonight that I think you're going to find very interesting, including what may be uh, a 15-minute um, city, a 15-minute city in Arizona. We also have more reports of illegal immigrants attacking police does anyone notice a theme here i don't know how to tell you guys this any more clearly than i am if they will attack police they will more than willingly attack you and yours are you ready for what it is these globalists have planned for america we also will talk about some other things in the news uh, that um well how about uh, a leader there in south africa talking about what he thinks about the Jews and Israel. Hmm. And yet here we have South Africans pouring over our open and porous border. Hmm. So many of them have been trained in communism to hate America, to hate the Jews. What could possibly go wrong when they're here in America? Of course, we saw some of the African immigrants over the weekend in the Southeast protesting and rioting. Uh, but again, this seems to be what is going to be the norm in America illegal immigrants all being triggered at the same time they're angry i guess they want theirs hmm so we'll keep you posted on that tonight with some of the video clips we have prepared for you joining us first up is colonel john mills he served on the national security council staff for two presidents in the white house and in the situation room and we are so glad to have him as a part of our team He's also a broadcast partner with us. His program airs each day at worldviewtube.com. And we are now adding him to patriot.tv. That's right. Patriot.tv has its official hard launch this coming Monday. We are working some massive hours, folks, building an amazing lineup. And we got some big announcements coming. I'm very excited to tell you about some of the people that are going to be joining our team. I think you're going to be excited as well. But he's one of them. Colonel John Mills. It's a joint project of my channel, Worldview Tube. He's been with me and broadcasting with me. And I said, Colonel, why don't you come on over to Patriot.tv as well? Uh, the audience over there needs to hear from you. And so uh, it's a joint project uh, between Worldview Tube and Patriot.tv. He joins me now. Colonel Mills, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Brandon, congratulations on the 33rd uh, wedding anniversary. I, I remember that. That's precious. 30, Thank only 33 years. Only 30. Have you been married? <laughs> how many years, my, my friend? 
34. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say 40 years, young whippersnapper, 40 years. Uh, that's good. Well, yeah. congratulations to you as well. Uh, ironing board cover does it every time uh, for uh, uh, anniversary. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. That's, yeah. Are you trying to get me hurt? Are you trying to get me hurt? <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, no, man. No. Uh, no. An ironing board cover, and you put it over your own head. And well, she'll be putting it over the iron and using it like in a cartoon and hit me in the head. Um, you know, uh, for those of you who are saying, wait a minute, shouldn't the man be taking off on his anniversary and taking his wife to dinner? Uh, I actually did that this weekend. I took her out to dinner and uh, gave her a, 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 a beautiful present uh, that I had been saving up for her and had tucked away and surprised her with it at the dinner table. And so uh, we already did that uh, this weekend. So any of the ladies out there saying, this guy should take off tomorrow night, we already did the uh, dinner thing. And I'm sure we'll do some, some more uh, celebrating this weekend. But so I don't want, I don't want any of the, the, the women in the audience being offended that I'm not taking off time with my wife. And for those who, women that maybe don't know, my wife works with me. So we're, at, we're together every day working. It's kind of a family-run operation, Logan and Melissa with me. So anyway, there you go. All right, so Colonel, we have a lot going on. What are your thoughts on uh, this uh, Iranian-backed Houthi attack uh, of this ship in the Red Sea? What are your thoughts? We haven't had you on since that broke yesterday. Yeah, so what's significant about this uh, so far, uh, and, and, and we're having to depend on Central Command tweets to essentially make sense out of what's going on. That's the primary source of most information for people who are tracking the naval war going on in the in the uh, Gulf, uh, the the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. Um, so forty plus ships attacked, three have been seized. We're not getting a whole lot of news on this. Three have been seized and their and their crews. There's two in Somalia, so the Somali pirates have come back to life, and they are working together. Actually, there's been meetings between them and the Houthis and the Sudanese. So. They're going to try and triangulate not just a crossfire, but a, a double crossfire uh, from Sudan, from Oman, uh, from uh, not, not Oman, excuse me, I take that back, from uh, Yemen and from uh, Somalia. So the Mary Mar, but is the first ship abandoned? No ships have been sunk. Nobody's been killed yet, but there's been still, you know, people, there's, uh, said, oh, there's some ship crew that have been wounded. Well, if you get an arm or a leg blown off, that's kind of a life-changing thing. So I, I really you know, don't like this term. Of, oh, they're just wounded. Um, the uh, but we've no ships have been lost as of yet, except for the Mary Mar, which is actually it's a the the flag is Belize. It's a relatively smaller vessel at around nineteen thousand. Uh, uh, deadweight tons. Now a carrier, just for equivalency, a, an aircraft carrier is a uh, hundred thousand uh, tons, uh, eighty to a hundred thousand tons, depending on which carrier you're talking about. You know, a, a cruise vessel could be a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand tons. You know, we got very large crude carriers that can hit five hundred thousand tons. So this is a relatively smaller ship. Now, what the Houthis have been doing is firing a lot of, uh, they've been calling them anti-ship ballistic missiles, and so is Central Command. I disagree with that terminology, because a lot of these are just rockets, uh, suborbital rockets, but they, they do have some kind of seeking guidance that after, at the top of their apogee, when they start to come down, they have some kind of ability to maneuver a bit uh, and come down on a ship. So I would, send, I would probably... Think it's heat seeking, and uh, uh, it's essentially uh, locking on to uh, the first uh, 
hot target at seas. Uh, but the but this Marimar uh, ship, uh, it's carrying fertilizer, which can be quite explosive. Um, um, and it has been caught on fire. And so, so far, it sounds, it looks like most of the warheads have been high explosive. Well, when the high explosive lands on a big stack of containers, um, it actually kind of cushions and absorbs the blast. Um, you know, with a ship, the, the greatest danger is a fire. And that's what's happened with the Merrimar is a fire has broken out on the ship and the and uh, the crew had to abandon. And that's always, uh, you spend any time at sea, you learn real quick, the fire is the most, you know, everybody's thinking about it, you're gonna sink or there's gonna be a huge wave and you're gonna flip upside down like uh, the Poseidon or something like that. No, 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 it's fire. Your greatest danger is always fire. And the fire got out of control <clears throat> uh, on the on the Merrimar and uh, the, the crew had to abandon ship. So uh, it's not looking good. Uh, that ship probably will uh, will sink. So that would will be the first sinking. But it's the first time a crew has had to abandon a ship, and very likely will will uh, will sink. But it's just like the the you know back in the early days of the uh, Ukraine war when the the so the Russian cruiser the Moscow was hit. Uh, it wasn't the the Ella got hit with two uh, high explosive warheads. That isn't what killed it. It was the fire and uh, I would say the sloppy and poor uh, ship uh, ship uh, skills of the the, the Russian Navy. Uh, they the fire got out of control and they had to abandon ship and it uh, it uh, I believe it capsized and it definitely did sink. But fire is always the biggest danger. That's what's going on with the Merrimar and potentially the first loss of a ship in the ongoing naval war in the Red Sea. Mm. Let's go to this article right here. The Gateway Pundit has a brand new article out tonight by Colonel John Mills. What would a soft invasion of Taiwan look like? Now, that's a very interesting uh, topic. And we've got, looks like some graphics to go along with this, yeah. uh, Colonel. Yeah, so I got what, some. Why don't we go through this? Yeah, well, uh, I sent Thomas some pictures. So let's, let me, I can walk through this article. A soft invasion is kind of like a, a riot that's mostly peaceful. I mean, there's really no such thing as a uh, soft invasion, but there's some scenarios that I think we're unfortunately headed to where China will be able to uh, uh, show aggression, seize portions of Taiwan territory, and probably it'll kind of just get lost in the noise of the chaos, all the chaos that's going on out there. So I think that's dangerous. So Thomas, if we could show the first picture there, should be an island grouping. So this is what's uh, often referred to as Matsu. Uh, and this is actually these, these seven, seven islands and there's smaller islands within this. This is Taiwanese territory. And uh, also it's called uh, Liangchiang uh, County. So this is a complete county. Now, unfortunately it did vote blue in the last election. Now, this is one of the two island groupings that's, I think, in danger. Now, that, that top island there uh, in, in the, uh, 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 in, in the Matsu grouping of islands uh, is only about five miles away from that extension of that peninsula from coming from mainland China. So that's well within artillery range. A lot of the, 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 their medium artillery can hit out to uh, easily... Uh, 20 miles so those those that that grouping is easily within range um so that's the danger is they could move on this let's go to the next picture oh, oh okay i apologize a little out of sequence but that's okay 
this is a beautiful artillery piece. It is not a museum piece. This is the real thing. And we gave a number of these to uh, Taiwan in the uh, in the uh, late 50s. This is bigger than any artillery piece we have. This was used to be one of our biggest artillery pieces. It's a, a 280 millimeter. That's as big as our what what we had as the atomic cannon. This was this could fire uh, nuclear shells, uh, but we did not give any nuclear shells to the uh, Taiwanese. But the Taiwanese have a number of these on Matsu Island and another uh, uh, island chain I'm about to show you here. So it's it's these are old, but these are very powerful. And of course, the Chinese are going to try and take these out. But this this grouping of, of heavy artillery. Uh, is going to be able to cause mayhem on uh, mainland China. So uh, don't just because of its age, don't worry. The, the Taiwanese are very good at keeping, uh, and this equipment will work if you keep it. If you uh, hey, you uh, you know uh, polish it uh, properly, lubricate it. Uh, if you keep the artillery shells and uh, in, in proper temperature and proper humidity, guess what? They will work. Guess what? In war reserve, we still have World War II 50 caliber ammunition in war reserve. It works. So, so the, this is one of the uh, important uh, punchback capabilities of Taiwan on the close-in fight. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, we're kind of out of sequence, Tom. I apologize. That's my fault. Could we go forward a bit? Yeah, this is the one I wanted to show. We'll get back to that other one. This is the other forward island grouping, and I think this is unfortunately the one most likely uh, to uh, be subject to a, a quick invasion. Now, some of the details, uh, this is Kinmen Major and Kinmen Minor, that island in the center there, the, that smaller island, that's, that's Taiwanese territory. That is only 1.6 miles from the mainland. So that means the midway point is only, you know, is less than a mile. So that's only about 4,000 feet from, uh, that's only about 4,000 feet from mainland China, well within, I mean, even 60 millimeter mortar range, which is a, a very light, lightweight, uh, uh, you know, infantry weapon uh, can hit that island. So my concern, uh, and we'll show the air traffic in just a moment, but that red oval there, that shows the, the major uh, airport on uh, Kinmen Island. So my concern is a, uh, uh, with the new air traffic routes that China's declared and just ignored and just 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 did what they wanted to do. Uh, they could do call as soon as they do a right turn toward from. I'll show you Route M503. They could declare an in-flight emergency, do a no-notice landing on that airfield, and out pop 200 uh, you know, Chinese special forces, and then they have a bunch of speedboats that come across <clears throat> uh, to uh, conduct the invasion. And you know, within a couple, within a few minutes, you know, they could potentially have a sizable force uh, ashore. Now. Breaking news, we announced, America announced, you got you to gotta find these things because uh, the Department of Defense and Indo-Pacific Command are very uh, coy about any announcements. But guess who has, now has a permanent base camp on this, on this Taiwanese island? Uh, the United States of America? The United States now has troops on Taiwan, including I mean, Kinmen Island, right that's, there. That's breaking news, right? I would, I would call that breaking news. It really I mean, this is the now... first I'm hearing about, and I, this is what I do for a living. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, now Newsweek ran an article on it yesterday, but uh, most people went right over their head. But well, here it is. For... Here it is. Here it is. U.S. Army Special Forces train Taiwan troops near China's coast. Uh, you're saying, right. wait a minute. I thought you just found out about it. How'd you get to that article so fast? 
because he just sent it to me before the show and I just pulled it up, but I didn't read the headline. I just pulled it up and had it in queue yeah. ready to go because he had just sent it. But wow, there you go. Well, we for several years, since the Trump years, we've had 200 trainers on the ground in, in uh, t- uh, Taiwan. Uh, when I was there, uh, and thank you very much, World uh, Brandon and Worldview Foundation for uh, you know uh, 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 splitting the cost with uh, uh, one of our colleagues for me to go over there. I tried to meet. I wanted to meet with our SOC pack element over there, Special Operations Command Pacific. They're very coy, and they declined this time. But I'm going back in September. It was the trip was such a success. Thank you all, all you viewers. Yes. Um, so I'll be going back. Uh, but I'm going to try and meet with our, our American special operators, and uh, I, I really wanted to meet with a Taiwan tank unit. They because they have the Taiwanese are very coy about it, but they have uh, a, a number of our M1 tanks ready to uh, immediately uh, come out of hiding and crush the Chinese landing uh, on uh, Taiwan. So, the big news: we now have a base. Now, we we said uh, <clears throat> the the article says on Kinmen there. Pengu County, which is a, a, a in older times would have been known as the Pescadores, uh, and it's a it's a larger island grouping right off of Taiwan, and then on Taiwan proper. So we have air quote 200, uh, 200 I think that's the Pes- I think that's uh, Pengu County right there, um, you know, right right there in the center there. Um, so. Uh, this is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. We, we got skin in the game on this. We have American forces, and I think it's a good thing. Um, and we need to flow ammunition and ordnance, but uh, we got to—that's that's another problem in itself. So that's big. Let's go to uh, another photo here. Yeah, let's—I want to do the air traffic routes. This this looks like gobbledygook to most people. This is a very important map, though. This just shows the—and uh, I did a—I just had an article in uh, uh, National Interest on this topic. Uh, went, and the article did very well. Uh, but look at M503, that red line uh, going uh, kind of from the north uh, east down to the southwest. That's the southbound, uh, traditional southbound traffic for uh, uh, civil air traffic. So they've moved M503 right up to the center line. It, it, it was backed off about six to eight miles off of the center line to uh, make sure civil air traffic didn't get involved in any uh, uh, misunderstandings on the air defense identification zone. But China has also, since, so since the election didn't go the other way, they said, hey, we're going to change M503. <clears throat> we're going to move it toward Taiwan so it's right on the center line. And oh, by the way, we don't even respect this center line. It doesn't exist. But look at, you got two right turns, uh, W122 and W123. So those those indicate right turns. So similar traffic, if they wanted to go into uh, uh, Fuzhou, guess what? They take a hard right turn and it comes pretty close to Matsu. And the game is, this is what happens. Your uh, your your uh, pilot in charge just declares an in-flight emergency, which gives them a right to land at the closest available airport. Well, there's Matsu has like four major airports, and, and uh, so same game as Kinmen uh, in uh, West one uh, one one twenty three. So you just call an in-flight emergency after that that immediate hard right turn. Uh, you're going uh, 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 supposedly into uh, Jimen, uh, the, the 
People's Republic airport, but he'd say, oh, in-flight emergency, we have to land immediately at Kinmen, and uh, you land at, you know, no notice, and, and if you've ever done that, and I've had to do that actually multiple times on, uh, on different size of transport aircraft uh, uh, in training in both real-life situations, uh, a pilot could put, a, put, a, put your aircraft, if you're on fire, they're going to put that aircraft down real quick. <coughs> You just declare an in-flight emergency, land no notice at Kinman. 200 special operators jump out to seize the uh, seize the uh, airport air, uh, air, air tower and the, the other facilities, and then you have a bunch of high-speed boats come on over. But guess what? We now have a special operations base on Kinman. But this is this is high stakes, high drama, with uh, and this is part going to be part of the conversation in September if we're not at war or the nation hasn't colla or collapsed into civil war. Uh, I'm going to be in uh, Taiwan in September, and the topic is I'm covering his media. It's going to be an international conference on how to get Taiwan to the UN, starting with ICAO, the International Civil Aircraft Organization, which sets uh, sets uh, uh, air traffic control standards. Very important. And uh, but the UN says clearly that China is supposed to get the approval of Taiwan before they make any changes like this. And China, the election didn't go the way the way, the way they wanted, and this is just gray zone um, coercion. And they just said, "Oh yeah, we're going to move the flight right out to the center line, which doesn't even exist anyway." So let's go, let's go to the next one. Well, this yeah, this is an interesting one: a possible soft invasion of Taiwan. So up at the top is Taipei. This is the top end of the the the. The, the the major island of Taiwan. So Taipei is the capital city. That's where I was at during the election. But so uh, uh, Yilan County, uh, pr pronounced Yilan, um, that uh, has a reasonable beach for landing. So the expectation any forced landing would come on the other side. That's the uh, western side facing mainland China. Well, this is kind of going around the Maginot Line, uh, the World War II reference to the French Maginot Line that the Germans went around. Well, right here, why, why land on the most likely spot where the strongest defenses are? Just go around the top of Taiwan, and then you do a quick, hard uh, uh, right and just land on this beach. It just, just sees this immediate area. You don't even go any further than this. You just put a, a shore, you know, uh, essentially a brigade, you know, that's uh, that's roughly 3,000 troops. And then you just seize this area and that's it. And you just say, yep, okay, China is now claiming this territory, Taiwan, and you're part of us anyway. So uh, you give us any trouble, we're gonna come across the mountains to Taipei. And uh, this way they don't shoot up or destroy all the TSMC plant uh, plants, which are, that make the chips that we depend on. Uh, along the uh, the west coast facing uh, facing uh, China, and also that smaller red oval represents the largest and most important Taiwanese naval base. And what's important about this, and why the Chinese would want to seize that, is that that's a beautiful beautiful facility, and it also gives immediate deep water access. As soon as you leave that harbor, you're immediately uh, you you are in the deeper water and and getting deeper water of the Pacific. The problem with the Chinese submarines that have to go around the top end of Taiwan or the bottom end of Taiwan, you're in relatively shallow water. You know, it's only about 400 to maybe 600 feet. That's shallow. 
and you, you know those submarines stick out like a sore thumb. So uh, the the Chinese subs are feeling very vulnerable until they're able to get into the deeper waters of the Pacific. So this is why why invade the entire Taiwan when you just you know come around the top end, pull a hard right, land no notice, and uh, and then just sit there and just say Taiwan, we're 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 landed, nothing you can do about it, and, and you know just create create a beachhead and. It intimidates the whole. They're hoping the whole country collapses and capitulates. And how many troops will be stationed at that base now? Well, I mean, like I, oh, 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 oh. Well, we we've not given a number. Uh, uh, how many are going to be at forward on Kinmen, which is right off of the coast? That I was showing the major island right. of Taiwan there. Um, and uh, so it's unclear, but uh, I think our two hundred number is very low. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So uh, I think we have a lot more than 200 there. And, and, and as we conclude, are you telling me, and we have some breaking news uh, related to Dr. Phil and something he's just come out and said, which is we're thankful he said what he just did. I just got a, a notice of this from one of our uh, whistle, government whistleblowers, uh, Tara Rhodes. Um, but uh, Colonel, you said you think that they may do the invasion China onto Taiwan by September? Well, uh, they have a tight window to do a complete invasion. Essentially, this, the, the, the typhoon season starts in April and goes till about October. So would they really be able to assemble and, and marshal a complete invasion the size of the Normandy force, which was, you know, 500 a million uh, men. I mean, that would stick out like a sore thumb, those preparations. And it would take, uh, we took four years, uh, essentially, uh, uh, assembling that force in England, uh, well, at least, uh, you know, at least three years. I mean, this would stick out like a sore thumb. So why do that when you could just like peel off one of those two forward island groupings? Or you could come around the top and just do a a, a quick landing and with without without the immediate intent of taking uh, the entire but you just said up oh, we got a foothold here and we ain't leaving and there's nothing you can do about it and that way you've essentially put the capital city at risk the entire island at risk and you know the strategic you've already achieved your strategic objective is uh you put a footprint on uh, taiwan and you're not leaving and uh, so it, it and 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 the problem is Things like this are just lost in the noise of the international story. If those forward islands were taken, most people have no clue to where Taiwan is anyway. And uh, most most countries that we'd want to rally to our side and Taiwan's side would say, ah, those are just small forward islands. Who cares? Who cares? Well, uh, those are Taiwanese citizens, and that's Taiwanese uh, property, and it's actually never been part of China. So, uh, so that's that's the falsehood of that narrative. And, and of course, the concern would be what they china might do to the u.s during that time which if this stirs up in september as you're saying uh you know again how how nice is that for them should china decide to put down our grid which gordon chang is warning about and others which the fbi director now is warning about hmm, that's ironic you know just on time he'll start coming out warning about something that you know, Peter, the late Peter Pry was warning about for years. Others have warned about. They didn't want to seem to show too much interest. Now we're getting into 20, we're in 2024 now. It's election time coming up soon. Uh, now let's start lo rolling out the uh, predictive programming and get the American people used to the idea and the thought of what's coming because they know maybe what's coming. And if that happens and China puts down our grid, oh, we can't have an election. Or if we are, we better do it by mail, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and they'd mobilize and give the green light, uh, give the uh, uh, you know uh, go go code to uh, you know their their tens of thousands of special operators already in place inside of America. So. You know, most likely, uh, you know, they do this forward in Taiwan, start to try and peel off some of those forward Taiwanese islands. They also, uh, you know, just uh, their their special operators inside of America would cause mayhem, um, you know, on our on our grid, on our critical infrastructure. So get ready for an action packed summer. Wow. All right. Keep us posted. A war against the deep state dot com war against the deep state dot com. Uh, Colonel Mills, you can get his book also at, um, uh, help me out here, the store, mystore.com. Mystore.com, use promo code B66. Mystore.com, promo code B66, mystore.com, or just war against the deep state. And you can catch his show each and every day now uh, at worldviewtube.com, also simulcasting at patriot.tv. He's also a Patriot TV correspondent, a contributor, uh, as we do our hard launch this coming Monday. Colonel, as always, thank you for being with us. Oh, Brandon, thank you. Always an honor. Thank you. Tara just uh, texted me. You guys know Tara. She uh, was inside the government and then started uh, being a whistleblower about um, the very troubling sex trafficking, uh, sex trafficking of children and that our government knows about it. Our government is the largest trafficker of children whether for sexual purposes or for work, you know, underground work, child labor law violation, uh, sweatshops, if you will. Uh, well, she just let me know about something, and that is that uh, uh, Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil has apparently just released, I'm told this is, I mean, I'm getting this, new, this information right here on the air, that he has given an interview to Joe Rogan. I understand uh, uh, one individual is posting out there that uh, Dr. Phil informs Joe Rogan that reinstating Trump's remain in Mexico policy would end the border invasion. China is purchasing land near U.S. military bases with an influx of military-aged men entering the country, and Biden's policies are fueling child trafficking. The Border Patrol Union chief warned Dr. Phil that Biden's termination of Trump's rapid DNA testing at the border has led to a surge in child trafficking for both the sex industry and child labor. This is coming from a... um, handle on Twitter called Kanakoa the Great. I'm not sure what that is. It's someone obviously not wanting to use their real name, apparently, I guess. I want to give credit where credit's due, though. Uh, If you go back and watch Obama speeches, Bush's speeches, Clinton's speeches, and all the presidents before talked about having a strong, protected border. This is a weird thing that they're doing. They're just letting people come in. And the Red Cross and different groups are giving people maps, showing them how to do it and encouraging it, end quote. Quote, the border guards say instead of apprehending these people, they are getting them They are greeting them, processing them, and giving them money and resources. The Texas border guards wear brown uniforms, and the federal guards wear green. If you get arrested by a brown uniform, you get arrested, processed, and sent back. If you get apprehended by a green uniform, you get arrested, processed, and given a court date in seven years. So they run to the green uniforms, away from the brown uniforms. Apparently, these are direct quotes from Dr. Phil. I talked to the head of the union for all the border guards. His name is Brandon Judd. And he said, we don't need more money. We don't need more agents. We don't need new legislation. We just need to let us do our job. We need you to apply the laws that exist now. And we'll be fine. If we remain in Mexico, if we had remain in Mexico policy in place, instead of come over here, just use the legislation that's on the books, we're fine. Tell me that between 2010 and 2020, they had about 100 about 1,500, 1,500 Chinese 
1,500 Chinese come across the border. And in the first months of 2023, they had about 33,000 come across the border. The number of military-aged men showing up with military haircuts clearly in shape, showing up with six-packs and military boots is not an insignificant number. We don't know where they're going. We're not following them. We're not tracking them. We have no way of verifying if these children are coming in with someone that says, I'm their mother or uncle or whatever. We used to under President Trump. We had rapid DNA testing, but that's been done away with. These people released to the country are given money. Our taxpayers ultimately facilitate the travel. There's a really good possibility that they're being trafficked. They're going to, they are going into the sex industry or they're being forced to work at sweatshops. We are knowingly spending our tax dollars to sell children into sex trafficking. When we dug into what's happening with the Chinese government or Chinese nationals buying farmland and it's all around the U.S. military installations, it's really concerning when you look at what's happening around those military installations. They had land around them, like stealth bomber training and drone training. It's very troubling that it's so strategic where it's all placed in, quote, this is coming out right now I, from what I'm being told live on the air here. Here's a video clip before we go to Selwyn Duke. Listen and watch. These children that are coming in with someone that says, I'm their mother, aunt, uncle, or whatever, we have no way of verifying that. We do not. We used to. President, under, under President Trump, we had rapid DNA testing. That's been done away with. Are they given money, these people that are released into the country? So it's our taxpayers that ultimately facilitate the travel. But yes, travel is facilitated, and they are given all the necessities that they need. But that could be a trafficker. There's a very good possibility that they're being trafficked, that they're going into the sex industry or they're being forced into the sweatshops and and we know that we're we, we knowingly are spending our tax dollars to sell children into sex trafficking how under any theory is that okay for us to be spending tax dollars to traffic children holy shit well sorry about that guy now this is the head guy on the border and i, I ask him when this went on a little more. We went in more depth. You know you're on camera here, right? You, you just said we're spending tax dollars to sell children into sex slavery. And he said, yeah. I said, why have you not talked about this? He said, nobody's ever asked me these pointed questions. But I'm grateful that you're asking them now. That's how out of control we are down there. We are, we are paying money to take these children and sell them into sex slavery. They, they, they come in with these addresses written on their bodies, written on their arm, and we call up there and say, uh, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, yes, uh -huh, we're waiting for them. Okay, they'll be on a plane or a bus, and you need to pick them up. And, and I ask him, so some pimp or trafficker or whatever is picking them up up there, and he said, we are knowingly sending them up there for that and he said it's terrible but that's what's happening that's insane that is insane and there's no way of verifying with their parents they're going to or an aunt they're going to there's no way of verifying it and I, I asked him he said no now what what justification could possibly exist where they would stop doing the rapid dna test I mean, what, what possible justification would there be to stop that? It, it, it makes no sense because you, if, 
if they find out, well, this isn't their parent, then, okay, what are they going to do with the child? And so right. I, I guess don't ask, and then you don't have the responsibility. But they're sending these children up there, and he's saying we are knowingly, we're knowingly sending them into either a sweatshop or the sex industry up there. And again, I apologize for the cursing. I'm seeing and watching this for the first time. You guys know I try to keep that off the air, particularly uh, for all the families that watch, and we don't want their kids hearing that. Uh, so I apologize for that. This is breaking news. We are just being told this right now, again, by our friend Tara, who is going to be on my broadcast here. I've got her down coming on uh, Wednesday night, the 28th at 8 p.m. So she just texted me while I'm here at the news desk. Again, this is coming off of a Twitter feed as well. I'll go ahead and show it. The feed here is called, uh, I don't know how you say that, Kanakoa the Great, uh, however it is, but they have provided a link to what is a 25-minute interview. So I'm guessing Joe Rogan has just released this. This is 6.36 p.m. tonight, February 20th, that that is online. So again, this seems to be breaking news in that you have someone, praise the Lord, to the status of Dr. Phil. Now, here's my question to you, my listening friends. Uh, this is now going to catch the attention of a lot of people that did not know what we've been reporting for many, many months. Tara's been a guest on my show several times. Some of these other formerly government employees who are now whistleblowers have been on this program several times. But this is going to go to a whole new level. You see, what's going on here is the average American is going to quickly understand in a greater depth and greater level than ever before just how illegitimate and corrupt the federal government really is. They have broken their compact with we the people, the states, we created the federal government. They have violated their compact, and now they are the largest crime, probably the largest crime uh, group in the world, the federal government. They are involved in sex trafficking, and many have been saying it. They are the largest sex trafficker in the world. Uh, I don't know that I could argue with that. But if they're even in the top five, that's our government doing that with our tax dollars. So when we have people being locked up because they, well, got excited and went with the crowd and were invited into the U.S. Capitol by police saying, come on in, respect the property, taking selfies, and they're sitting in jail now for three years. But same federal government is involved in sex trafficking children. Does anyone see a problem here? Indeed, there is. We have so many people being prosecuted by this corrupt federal government for basically spitting on the sidewalk, while the very same federal government is involved in mass murder, knowingly allowing fentanyl to come into the United States and kill scores of Americans. And now, as Dr. Phil has been telling us, sex trafficking and child labor uh, trafficking. My friends, at some point, the American people are going to say, we no longer need this federal government. It is time to do what our organic documents say. Deal with it, replace it, and put in place a constitutional form of government in Washington. But is this not what the government wants, the American people to rise up and say, you're not legitimate, we're not going to tolerate this abuse anymore? Because something tells me, as we've been reporting here for a long time, even in my documentary that came out in December of 2019, Siege, this federal government, under the control of globalists and elitists and many within the big government, big business uh, agenda, they want, I believe, a civil war. They want conflict. They're looking and itching for some reason to deprive you and me of our God-given rights and somehow think that rising up against tyranny will justify their tyranny on us.
And yet, my friends, Dr. Phil's kicked it to a whole new level tonight. That is indeed some good news. Joining me now is Selwyn Duke before we go to Steve Kirsch and then Wes Peters. Selwyn, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Brennan, great to be with you. Great and yeah, that is you. some news. What, what do you make of what I'm reporting here tonight? This new piece out, Joe Rogan with Dr. Phil talking about and interviewing some of our guys down on the border that this government is knowingly involved in sex trafficking and child labor trafficking. What are your thoughts tonight? It's just disgusting, but it's not surprising. And like you said, it's great that Dr. Phil is reporting on this because then some people who otherwise wouldn't hear truths like this may actually get the information. But it's just so terrible. And, you know, I've said this before. There's a saying, can't lives on Won't Street. If our government wanted to enforce the border, wanted to secure it, it would do so. We know that. This is a facilitated invasion. That's what it is for a number of reasons. Well, we talk about governments oppressing people. We have the federal government involved in this behavior we've just reported on. But here is another one. This is an article, my friends, by Selwyn, just came out today at thenewamerican.com. The Pfizer law. Now they are taking aim, taking aim to arrest people who reject, quote, medical knowledge, end quote. This is what the status want. Status. That's a nice word for tyranny, right? Tell me about this law. Where, where is this going to take place? Okay, well, this is in France, Brandon, and what happened is they passed on February 14th in their National Assembly some amendments to their anti-cult law. That's what they call it. And basically what these amendments say is that if you oppose establishment of proved medical knowledge and you encourage someone to act upon your ideas that are contrary to that knowledge, then you can be subject to the penalties in this bill. And the penalties are a fine of 45,000 euros and one year in prison. Now, I want to be fair here. This is in France. None of us are experts on French law. And it's a little unclear whether this just pertains to encouraging individuals or an individual to act contrary to medical knowledge in a way that hurts that individual's health, or if it could also be applied to just putting dissenting views on the internet. And of course, the latter is what people are worried about because we saw what happened during COVID. There were people who wanted to persecute those who were advocating alternative treatments like ivermectin. And, you know, we also know, Brandon, that medical knowledge, quote unquote, changes over time. At one time, bloodletting and lobotomies were accepted medical knowledge. But of course, we don't do those things anymore. So that's the problem. Yeah, it's certainly a problem. Uh, so we also have other articles. But let me ask you this. What happens in Europe a lot of times comes to America. We, we've been saying that on this broadcast for years. What we see happening in Europe eventually makes its way to America. Do you eventually expect that some great big pandemic far greater than COVID will happen with a death rate, let's say, I don't know, 20% higher? Wait a minute. Sounds like I'm talking about disease X something that they're already preparing for. They don't know what it is, but they know it's going to have a kill rate 20% higher than COVID. Do you think that they're going to release some kind of pandemic again, and then those that don't go along will get the same kind of treatment? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never know that could happen. But as you said, the problem here is that this is not like Vegas. What happens in Europe doesn't stay in Europe anymore <laughs> because the fact is, is that we have a very small interconnected world. And 
This is the kind of power that statists just relish. I mean, they love the idea of being able to throw those who disagree with them in prison, and not just on matters of medical knowledge, but really anything. And that's why this is so dangerous, because if nothing else, it's a slippery slope, Brandon. That's what it is. Yeah, it certainly is a slippery slope. All right. Selwyn Duke is a pretty prolific writer over at the newamerican.com. I want to take a look at another couple articles that you've written over there. Uh, we have one here that caught my eye. Let me scroll down and see where it was. It was hmm, about $50. One that, someone who had Democrat, well, there it is. Senator, Democrat senator contender wants $50 minimum wage. I mean, you want to talk about a way to destroy businesses. This, this is it. Minimum wage doesn't work. John Stossel, I saw his name here in one of your articles, but he did a great piece probably 20 years ago or more on why the minimum wage laws don't work. And they actually hurt the poor. But this woman, I bet she, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But my guess is she's never run a business. But she wants $50 minimum wage. Can, we, can you tell me about this? Yeah, that's Barbara Lee. She's running for the Senate in California. Now, I don't think she's going to win that race, but she's one of our really bright lights in Congress, a true genius, that woman. But you know what's funny about this, Brandon? The first thing I thought of was that the late Rush Limbaugh would use that number, $50, when he was illustrating absurdity by being absurd, and he wanted to point out the folly of saying, well, if we just had a higher minimum wage, then people would be living better, low-income workers. He said, well, if $20 is good, isn't $50 better? Well, lo and behold, now we actually have a politician that's proposing that in all seriousness. And I don't know if she believes in it. She's trying to get votes, I imagine. But you have to understand how destructive this is. There's wide consensus in the economics field that minimum wage laws eliminate low-wage jobs. And the reason for that is very, very simple, Brandon. You have to think about what someone's inherent worth is within the context of a market system. And I don't like boiling people down to dollars and cents because we're all children of God. But within this context, talking about this, we have to do that, okay? If a person is worth $12 an hour to a business, if that's how much value he brings to a business, then his employer is not going to pay him $13 an hour because it would be a losing proposition. And you have to remember, it's not just what the person gets paid because there are other expenses as well. I mean, you've got to pay Social Security if you're an employer and so many other things. So if you're paying someone $20 an hour, actually, it might cost you $30 or $33 an hour. And here's the thing, though. Why does it cost jobs? Well, again, I just explained that. But you have to remember what happens when you increase the minimum wage and the cost of doing business is that businesses then only have three choices. They can raise prices, they can automate, or they can shut down. Okay. Now, you can only raise prices so much because it's what the traffic will bear. So at that point, once you can't raise them anymore, you have to automate, jobs are lost. Or you have to shut down, jobs are lost. And that's what happens. And this hurts low-skilled workers who are inordinately, by the way, black and Hispanic more than anyone else because they're the ones who are targeted here. And it's so ridiculous also, I'll just say one more thing, Brandon, because think about it, it's not one size fits all. If a kid is 16 years old or 17 and he wants to get his feet wet and he wants to develop job experience and build character, what's wrong with him getting $12 or $10 an hour, whatever he agrees to? But if you price him out of the market, and that's what minimum wage laws do, he's not going to get that experience. He can't get his foot in the door. Because quite frankly, if you're an employer and you've got to pay, let's say, $20 an hour, and for that rate, you can get a 23-year-old with some experience or a 17-year-old with no experience, well, you're going to choose the former. 
That's how it works. And that's, that's why exactly this is so right. destructive. Yeah. I'll just say one more thing. This is important. The main thing, Thomas Sowell, the economist, made this point, is not the little bit of money these kids might lose during their younger years. It's robbing them of the opportunity to build character. As the sayings go, work a noble's man, but on the other hand, an idle mind is the devil's playground. You have minimum wage laws. You've got more young men on the streets, maybe doing things like getting involved in gangs. Is that better? Yeah, no, it's absolutely not better. Um, I want to go to a news story. Uh, I guess there's a new bill that's being introduced, Courage to Serve Act. Uh, illegal immigrants, uh, well, if they serve in the military, they can get citizenship. Uh, sounds like a, a bad idea. Many levels, not only is it encouraging people to be illegal immigrants, but then you're going to put people in charge and give them guns and uniforms to what? do what to the American people. Illinois has already passed legislation allowing an illegal to be a cop and carry a gun and a badge. Not a good idea. Now, apparently, they want to do this with the military. Let's not forget a lot of these people that are here already hate America, hate Americans, and hate the police. We got another video tonight I'll show you in a minute. More cops being attacked by illegals. Oh, yeah, let's, do a, let's put them in a uniform and give them guns so they'll follow the dictates of our Marxist politicians in Washington to be used against the American people. Think it's a crazy idea? Not so much. Listen to this. The new proposal in Washington that would help migrants get an expedited path to citizenship, it would require them to first serve in the U.S. military. All right, Fox News' Morgan McKay joins us with details of the bill which lawmakers say could help solve two problems at once. There is no higher honor than serving your country in uniform. And that honor could be extended to migrants under a new bill introduced by Hudson Valley Congressman Pat Ryan. Called the Courage to Serve Act, this bill would offer qualified and vetted migrants an expedited path to citizenship if they serve in the military. According to Ryan, last year the military services collectively missed recruiting goals by roughly 41,000 recruits, leaving some crucial positions unfilled. If there are folks with the courage to raise their right hand, take an oath to protect and defend our Constitution, and put their lives on the line for this country, then they sure as hell deserve the opportunity to be citizens in the United States of America. This bill comes days after a bipartisan border security package negotiated by the Senate fell apart amid Republican opposition. Staten Island Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis argued that the Senate bill did not go far enough when it comes to securing the border and said there is more President Joe Biden can do in the interim. He can uh, end catch and release, he can adjust the asylum, he can end the parole program that he started, and he can actually shut down the border. He can shut it down. Meanwhile, more than 173,000 migrants have entered New York City in the past two years, with the city still currently caring for close to 70,000 migrants. Governor Kathy Hochul on Friday continued her call for a border deal, saying New York cannot continue to handle this influx of migrants. If the 10 Republican members of Congress who represent the state of New York would simply exercise their clout, walk down to Speaker Johnson's office and say, our state needs help right now, they can no longer financially afford to handle this number of people. Now, Congressman Ryan, along with Congressman Mike Lawler, wrote a bipartisan letter to President Joe Biden last year asking that he approve New York's request for a major disaster declaration so more federal resources could be funneled to the state, something that Biden still has not done. Okay, so why are they complaining? I thought New York City was a sanctuary city. They got what they wanted, I guess too much of what they wanted. But notice that 
reporter was saying, and that congressman actually, that congressman was saying, uh, if you're here illegally, you take an oath to defend the Constitution, then and serve, that would make you a citizen. How does one take an oath to the U.S. Constitution when they aren't even a United States citizen? That's that seems a little uh, off. You know, the cart before the horse. Yeah, absolutely, Brandon. And you know what occurs to me here is this: is this another great replacement? I mean, think about it. Middle American white men have long been the backbone of the military and they tend to be conservative. But in recent years, they have been alienated from the armed forces by all the wokeness that has been and embraced the COVID within shot them. that was forced on them. Yeah, absolutely. So they alienate these fellows. Now they have a recruiting crisis. And now they say, oh, we're going to replace them with these foreigners, these aliens who shouldn't even be here in the first place. And you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me, Brandon, of the waning days of the Roman Empire when they started taking members of European tribes, who they called barbarians, that's what they called them back then, into their army because they didn't have enough Romans to do the job anymore. And of course, like I said, this was the waning days of the Roman Empire. So this is just so terrible. I mean, the bottom line is that when you're talking about police officers, you mentioned that law in Illinois, you're talking about people in the military, you want people occupying those positions who have real ties to the nation, people where their heart is with the nation, where they care about the people and they feel as if they're one with them. So it's not even a matter of whether these illegal aliens are, quote, good people or not. The point is their hearts must lie elsewhere because they weren't born and bred in America and they didn't come here because they want to become American. They came here by and large because they wanted economic opportunity. And this is so disgusting. If someone is here illegally, he should be deported. That's what's supposed to happen. And we have to stop compromising on this nonsense. It's not, it's also not, it's not just, people talk about what's fair, life's not fair, but it's not just and orderly to the rule of law, okay? We see what's happening with the crime rate, the spiking of crime and so much. And now our schools are overrun, our hospitals are overrun, our, uh, our, our infrastructure, our services, our housing, our police. It's not how you have an orderly process. You wouldn't run your business like this. You wouldn't open the doors of your company uh, and your five or six story building and just say anybody that wants to can come in. And we have lunch and a cafeteria and nice comfortable boardroom. And, and we have a photocopier and phones and, and all of these great computers. Come on in. No, you would say, no, 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 no. This is private property. This is a business. It, it is under our custody. And we bring people in here. We choose to bring in here and that we vet. And then they get the privileges of all the things we have here to offer for a common purpose and goal that we all benefit from. Well, you wouldn't run your business, like I said, why are you running your government like this? Opening the doors, flinging it open and saying, everybody can come in and think that you're gonna have an orderly process. And again, I'm getting very frustrated at looking at the video of the cops being attacked by people that are angry. Here's another one before we go to Steve Kirsch. Here's another one that just came in tonight. Uh, it, in one of these um, migrant uh, holding facilities, another fight's broke out and cops are involved. Here we go.
Yeah, this this just isn't the way it's supposed to be. Closing comment. Yeah, it's disgusting, Brandon. Look, what we have to realize is that, first of all, an inordinate number of the people coming in probably are criminally inclined. We're not necessarily getting the best and the brightest. Not all of them, of course, but many of them. And remember also, many of these migrants don't get along. They don't like each other. They come from different countries, different cultures. This just further balkanizes us. And also, Brandon, this is how you unravel the fabric of a civilization, because when you see that the government will not enforce immigration law, that it will actually facilitate the invasion of our nation, it will give these people benefits and money, and then you see the laws broken in so many other ways when it serves the left-wing agenda, what happens? People start to say, well, if all these people don't have to follow the law, why should I have to? And you know, their thinking, unfortunately, is absolutely logical. That's why we're supposed to be a nation of laws, not a nation of men. But unfortunately, more and more, we're becoming the latter because we're electing the wrong people who are rooted to nothing permanent. They're godless, they're moral relativists, and they want to be the law. What they say goes, whatever serves their agenda goes, and that's it. I saw a video of a, a mother, uh, a single mother, was talking about the free the free uh, community center that she had. Look, she's like, I don't have a lot of money. It's one of the few places I could go and let my kids play and, and take advantage of this free community service here provided by our government, local government. And now it's been closed down and all these illegals have been moved in there. And this mother was, was saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to legal um, migration. Um, you know, there's a process, but you know, this is hurting us. You know, I don't, I, I have needs. I'm a, I'm a single mom. I have financial needs. I have financial problems. These folks come in here and they get uh, education, they get health care, they get debit cards. I was born here. You know, this is this is pitting people against each other, pitting people groups against each other. I say people groups as only believe I believe there's only one race, the human race per Acts tells us that in the book of Acts. But this is deliberately causing friction and chaos uh, in America. And it's just one of many scenarios where more friction and chaos is being created at a time where America really can't handle too much more friction and chaos. And you know it's manufactured. You know it's on purpose, which is why so many people are done. They're done with the left, right, Republican, Democrat, dog and pony show. They're done. And they don't identify like that anymore. They're just identifying as Americans. You know, how they vote is their business in the polling booth. But they're done with the whole dog and pony right, left, right, left, because at the end of the day, we're finding that a lot of that is an orchestrated show. And what's dangerous for the globalists is a lot of people have set aside the party and they're doing what's in the best interest for their country, their family and civil liberties. And I think the more we see this unravel, the more we're going to see a coalition of Americans who maybe don't agree on a lot of things, but can find an agreement on some basic things when it comes to the rule of law orderliness, national security, and protection of the civil liberties of the people and the Americans that are here. So this is backfiring, but I think they want that tension. Closing comment. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. I mean, the left-right paradigm originated with the French Revolution. I'm not going to get into that, but really it's not the most precise way of defining things. Now, 
That said, I hope you're right, Brannon, but I do want to point out that right now we have in our society a de facto two-party system. And if we want the border secured, we really have to work within the Republican Party. That's not to say that it's perfect. It is to say, however, that you have people such as Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who represent this nationalist coalition, the MAGA crew, and they really would try to secure the border. So we've got to vote for those kinds of candidates. We've got to try to strengthen that coalition and work in that way. Yeah, that's what we have to do. And if we don't, well, we're going to lose our country because like you said, this is destabilizing our country. This is like the Cloward Piven strategy. It's as if they just want to overwhelm the system and make it collapse and collapse it will yeah. unless we right the ship. Thenewamerican.com, thenewamerican.com. Thank you, Selwyn. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian, and God bless. You too, my friend. Selvin Duke checking in his website where all his articles are, thenewamerican.com. All right, joining me now is Steve Kirsch of kirschsubstack.com, kirschsubstack.com. Steve, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for making time for us tonight. Uh, thanks, Brandon. Good to be here again. Thank you, sir. I saw your article today on your Substack. That's what uh, caused me to give you a call. It was just posted today, and I want people to watch it. Uh, let's show a screenshot of it, guys. Epic four-hour episode. What the nurses saw. COVID whistleblower episode follow-up. Uh, I, I only got into the first paragraph, and I knew I wanted to interview you about it. Some of the statistics on, the, on what they saw were mind-blowing. For example, Michelle Gershman starts at the two minute, two hour and 54 minute mark said her hospital had four fetal demises a year on average, four. After shots rolled out, they saw up to 30 a month, which is a 90 fold increase. Nobody's talking about that. I sent a FOIA request to the California Department of Public Health, but they refused to release the number of fetal demises because it would violate confidentiality. That's illegal. More about this at the end of the post. Wow. Well, that fits with what we've heard from Dr. James Thorpe, the OBGYN that was seeing up to 8,000 patients a year. And now you have all these nurses that were whistleblowers. That's a, quite the panel. One, two, three, four. You're counting you. That's 12 minus you. There's 11 of them. Or are, are, are all 11 whistleblowers nurses? Uh, yeah, they were all uh, uh, nurses. So the guy in the upper left was not a nurse, uh, but everybody else was a nurse. So 10 nurses. What, what, what all did they tell you besides the fact that you've got a 90-fold increase in fetal deaths after the COVID shot? Uh, they, they basically were seeing things that shouldn't uh, be happening. A lot of them were talking about all these code blues, and they had to ask what it was because they'd never heard so many of them before. And so these are extraordinary events that are happening at the hospitals, and people are basically... Uh, remaining silent about it in order to keep their jobs. And so these these events that are, they just described events that were happening that would be very unusual that, that you would normally blow the whistle on and say, hey, there's something going on here. We need to investigate the cause of this and get to the bottom of it. But everybody is looking the other way because nobody wants to lose their job. And what's troubling is that I asked them, well, you know, you couldn't be the only one that's seen this. What did you talk to other people about it? And basically the response was that they're afraid to talk to anybody else about it because then they would be labeled as a conspiracy theorist and uh, lose their job. So uh, people are being basically intimidated into uh, not 
telling uh, the public about what's going on because they don't want to lose their job. So they continue on. People die at these, uh, and, and these events are happening to, to young kids. For example, I just uh, heard uh, a couple of days ago about an 11-year-old uh, child who was vaccinated and, and died from myocarditis. And, um, they, and the coroner actually admits that uh, it was a vaccine injury and the vaccine caused the death. But they haven't spoken out about it publicly, but they're getting very upset because they're seeing all of these cases and nobody's saying anything to the public and everybody's acting like everything is normal. But we're, re we're reaching now the breaking point where uh, I think these coroners in this particular place um, are going to blow the whistle on this and say, look, you know, they, we've had a 25% increase in deaths. That's not supposed to happen. And, 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 <laughs> and these people are all vaccinated. And, you, you know, the, the other thing is that people can uh, tell by the blood, the embalmers, you know, sort of the, the people of last resort, and they typically don't know the vaccination status of individuals. But they've been seeing these really strange blood clots that started happening after the vaccines rolled out, and they're still seeing them. And sometimes up to 90% of the uh, the cases of people that they embalm. And that's really, really troubling that the embalmers can tell whether you've been vaccinated or not. And of course, the Red Cross has now validated that. Uh, they they just, uh, uh, there was something that I posted to, to X recently about the Red Cross saying, Hey, if you've had a COVID vaccine in the last year, we need to talk about it in order to donate blood. And so here you have the Red Cross validating that the vaccines are not safe because the, it taints the blood supply. So, and, you know, kudos to them for, right, if you answer yes uh, to this question, please call, you know. That's thank you for for putting that up because you know that's a, just extraordinary. This is an admission from the Red Cross. Now I celebrate that they're being honest about it and they're protecting the public by actually screening the blood that they're drawing from people. But on the other hand, they're blowing the narrative. They're basically saying that hey, this blood is unsafe. I mean, I've talked to uh, uh, phlebotomists who who draw the blood. And they say that uh, that it's not infrequent now when they try to draw blood that they just draw serum. And so serum is kind of urine color. It doesn't look like blood. It doesn't look red. It looks like it, it's, uh, you know, yellowish, sort of clear yellowish. Um, and that, that's the serum in the blood because they can't get the blood out. Now, that's extraordinary. I mean, that should be a, you know, a wake-up call to America to investigate. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What is happening here? This only started after the vaccines rolled out. People's blood is being seriously uh, tampered with with these vaccines. And nobody's saying a word about this. You know, this paper comes out um, saying 90 million people were investigated and they looked at the, the serious adverse events. And this, this, this study, which was worldwide, you know, 90, over 90 million people, and they didn't even look at mortality as a serious adverse event. Now, how can a study looking at serious adverse events 
not consider whether the vaccines increased your mortality or decreased your mortality. I mean, that's astonishing to me. But when you look at the funders of that study, it's the CDC and and Health and Human Services in the U.S. I mean, these people are all, and the New Zealand Ministry of Health, these people are all pushing a narrative. And so anyway, the, the point is that people trust nurses and people should spend an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours listening directly to what these nurses are seeing because it's really, really incredible. And they can watch the whole thing at uh, kirschsubstack.com, correct? Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's a video posted to Rumble and, you know, you can watch it. The, the link is on my Substack uh, to the Rumble video uh, and and you can watch it on, on Rumble. You, <laughs> you can't watch you? it on on YouTube, because because they take they take it down after like you know two minutes. Of course they will. <laughs> I do have your Substack right, CurseSubstack.com, right? Yeah. Okay. Here, look. Here's one of the articles over there. Um, New Zealand OAI request reveals the COVID vaccines increased your risk of dying. Can you tell me about this in closing? Yeah. So O O I uh, O I A uh, is uh, the the New Zealand version of the. Uh, of of in America, we'd call it the Freedom of Information Act request, and it's basically a request of the government to uh, tell us what's going on. And so they ask for uh, death data and vaccination status. And it turns out that if you look at at that data, you find that ninety uh, somewhere if if you age, you have to uh, look at it by age. Um, uh, you have to age stratified in order to do a valid analysis. And so, you know, I looked at the ages uh, 80 to 100 because most of the, the deaths happened in 80-year-olds, so that had the highest numbers. And what was troubling is that in that age group, uh, somewhere around 95% uh, of the people are vaccinated. But if you look at the deaths, over 95% of the deaths are in the vaccinated which means that the vaccinated are dying at a rate that's about 22.5% higher than people who are unvaccinated. Now, that should be pretty troubling to people because if you took the vaccine, you're supposed to be dying at a lower rate than people who didn't die, at, um, who didn't take the vaccine rather than a 22%, 22.5% higher rate. Now, they could claim that, oh, that's because people who took the vaccine were, um, uh, they, they, they had uh, lots of comorbidities and they were very sick and that's why they took the vaccine to protect them. And that's why their uh, mortality rate was higher. But you see, that's just not the case because we have other data that shows that their mortality um, rates were actually pretty normal before they took the vaccine. And then over six months after they took the vaccine, their mortality rate rose dramatically, even when the overall mortality in New Zealand was declining. So they can't use that, that excuse. And so this data is just further confirmation of what, what we knew from the earlier release of that Barry Young uh, released these records that were never supposed to be released that showed uh, very conclusively with you know, using a time series analysis uh, you can uh, readily see that when you got the vaccine, your mortality rate went up. 
and it went up even when the mortality rate in the population was declining due to seasonality. That's not supposed to happen. There's no explanation for this. And in fact, all these people who tried to dispute this uh, would go with hand-waving attacks, and they can't, but they can't explain this one. They say, oh, well, there must be a confounder that we don't know about. Right, because it doesn't fit their narrative that the vaccines are, are safe and effective. And so their explanation for the data is, oh, there must be a confounder. There must be a reason for this that we don't understand. That's not the way science is supposed to work. Science is supposed to be, well, you have the data, you interpret it, and you see what it says. And if you can't explain it, then you need to accept what the evidence shows, even if it happens to go against the narrative. And of course, this explains all these unexpected deaths uh, that are happening in New Zealand. In fact, the, a member of their uh, their parliament, very uh, well-regarded member of parliament who was pushing the vaccines very heavily uh, and uh, he was being criticized for, for uh, pushing the vaccine so heavily. He died mm. unexpectedly at this, at this water uh, race, which was um, not strenuous at all. And he just dropped dead unexpectedly uh, at this event. So people are looking the other way. You know, there's never going to be an autopsy uh, for him to find out whether the vaccine causes death because people simply don't want to know. And there isn't a politician in New Zealand that's calling for transparency of the full uh, data set of the New Zealand Ministry of Health. Mm. They simply will not uh, reveal uh, the truth. There's there's no data transparency there, you know. And they've asked me to take my uh, my site down, and I've said I'm happy to negotiate with you on taking my site down. I'll happily take your my site down if you uh, release a time series analysis of the complete data. And and they said no, we don't want to talk to you. We don't want to negotiate. Mm. We're not we're not interested in, uh, you know, they're they're claiming that people's personal information is being jeopardized. I said, hey, if that's the case, let me know. And they do not respond. They do not respond. They don't. They're not interested in telling me what data I should remove. I mean, it's bizarre. Well, and it's getting worse in that they're not learning from the mistakes clearly because. Here we just had a report tonight that today a law was passed. This was February 14th. It was posted uh, by Dr. Kat Lindley. A law passed in France qualifying any opposition to mRNA LNP injections as a secretarian aberration. It carries a penalty of up to three years imprisonment and 4,500 euros. Um, posing comment on this because I'm afraid this kind of thing is going to come over here eventually again. Yeah. You know, it's not going to surprise me that... Um they're going to try and pass a law that restricts uh, freedom of speech uh, in America, that it'd be uh, illegal to uh, express any doubts whatsoever about the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. You know, there's no data transparency in the United States. There is not a single, uh, there's not a single health authority in the, in the entire world calling for data transparency of the, uh, of the vaccine data, simple time series analysis um, similar to what the, the UK uh, Office of National Statistics did, but with greater detail, uh, would show everybody exactly what's going on. But nobody really wants to know the truth. It's, it's amazing. None of the people in power want to have any data transparency about the data that they have collected. And this is a serious problem. 
It's saying that, hey, we've got the data that shows whether the vaccines are safe or not, but we're not going to show it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, just trust us. It's safe. There are lots of studies that show that it's safe. Trust us. But we we refuse to show you the data. And and I had a um, a run in with the UK ONS office. I said, you know, your time series analysis is deficient because the the uh, the categories are too broad. And they said, uh, we're not interested in talking to you and discussing the matter any further. In other words, fundamentally in the UK, they don't believe in data transparency. They these these people at the Office of National Statistics are not working for the people of the UK. They are working for the drug companies, and they are working to keep this information <laughs> from the from public view. I mean, there's there's no question about it. There's no there's no reason that they should be withholding this information from the public. It it is disgraceful. Indeed, it is. Last question, Steve. You're, for those who maybe don't know, go folks, go look up who I'm talking to. Um, he is an extremely, I mean, extremely successful businessman. And my question for you, sir, is do you ever fear that your outspokenness could cost you everything you have worked for? Do you ever fear that there'll be such serious reprisals that everything you've invented, everything you've invested in, everything you have worked so hard for, for your, for not only for your immediate family, but maybe another generation or two? You know, I think every American wants to have generational success and wealth to pass on to their children and grandchildren. Do you ever worry, Steve, that your speaking up and speaking out could cost you everything you've worked for? Uh, I do, because it's happened to other people. And so, uh, you know, it's a risk that you take. And, uh, you know, I think this is the same as, you know, I asked, uh, 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 Bobby Kennedy, hey, you know, do you ever regret making the decision to go from this very well-respected environmental lawyer uh, to uh, talking about vaccine safety? And he said, I had no choice. And I feel the exact same way. You can't see this stuff and remain silent. That's that's the wrong thing to do. That it, It's morally, ethically wrong to look the other way when injustice like this is happening. And you just have to keep speaking out and speaking out and eventually uh, more and more people uh, hear what you have to say and uh, and start to look at the data and realize uh, that I'm right. And, you know, I I had dinner with some friends recently and uh, they, they said, you know, we believe you now. And, and I said, well, gee, what changed your mind? Uh, and, and they said seven of their friends uh, died unexpectedly Never happened before, you know, not, nothing even close to that. And that's what convinced them that I was right. Not, not, it wasn't anything I wrote. It was they had a personal experience that was validated, that, that couldn't be explained if the vaccines are safe. And so it, it takes something like that. It takes people losing people that are close to them. In fact, we ran a survey. Uh, we did a survey of 1,000 Americans, and these were randomly uh, selected Americans I did not select this. The, the pollster that I used did not select the audience. It's a thousand randomly selected Americans. And they they were asked, hey, any deaths in your household? And about a hundred of them said yes, that there was. And 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 then we asked, well, do you, th- do you think the COVID vaccine could have caused it? And about half the people said yes. Wow. I mean, that is extraordinary. And, and yet, 
you won't see a survey like that done by CNN or New York Times or Washington Post or the mainstream media because they simply don't want to know. Well, we're so thankful for what you do, Steve, and I know you, you put a lot at risk, and we, I know our listeners and viewers really appreciate it and all you've informed us on. It's there, folks, for you at kirschsubstack.com, including you can go and watch the entire uh, you know, four-hour event, epic four-hour event. I'll go there. It'll link back to the Rumble, kirschsubstack.com. Steve, as always, thank you for being so gracious with your time and research and being with us tonight. Absolutely. My pleasure, Brandon. Thank you, Steve. Steve, checking in. Please check out his uh, Substack, folks, kirschsubstack.com. And pass it on to your family and friends. Ask them to watch this four hours. Maybe send it to some doctors, some nurses, nurse practitioners, so they can see that there are other people in the medical industry that are speaking up and standing up. Maybe it'll, it'll encourage them, as Steve said, to do the right thing morally and ethically. We, we hope so. Joining me uh, tonight is our, well, before I go to Wes Peters, and by the way, I don't know if, if can, can someone come out and plug in this computer before it dies on me? Let me, I can run, the, I can run my own show from the stream deck. Let me show you guys again how we are brought to you. Uh, I haven't even stopped for a promotion tonight. Here we go. Here is uh, Superfoods. This is uh, a, a, a landing page we made. So, superfoodshouse.com, superfoodshouse.com. What we're talking about here, folks, is taking... Uh, organic vegetables and fruit from the field, let's say carrots. And we, uh, we bring the carrots into the uh, facility. They are, whoop, what, what just happened? I just lost my, I'll come back to me. Whoop, there it was. Now we're back. They, uh, they bring the carrots into the facility and they juice it and then they dehydrate that so it turns into a powder. They put it in a bag, you mix it with fresh water and boom, now instead of you having to juice, they've already done it for you. You're done, you drink. Look, folks, this is organic, not sprayed, no glyphosate. By the way, if you go to worldviewreport.com tonight, I have a whole new article on that. Every day I'm finding an article on that. Uh, let me see if I can find it on here. Uh, here we go. Pregnant women in Indiana show fourfold increase in toxic weed killer in their urine. That's the Guardian. Pregnant women in Indiana, fourfold increase in toxic weed killer in their urine. Every time we turn around, it's a study about how, how much of us are uh, holding um, things we should not have in our system. So let's go back to where we were. House, uh, superfoodshouse.com, superfoodshouse.com. Just simply uh, go through there, pick what you want. Super meal, MVP, uh, whether it's the carrot, what's the bio fruit, the beets. You can do the 30-day program if you want. That's what Melissa is doing right now. You'll find it all. And by the way, you'll save on your grocery bill too. So there you go, superfoodshouse.com. There you go. Another one we have available is, let's see where it's at. Um, let's see, I got so many folders open here on my desktop. If I could find it. Let me just go to, let's see. Let me go just type it in. It'll be quick. Melissahousebg.com. Uh, before I came on the air tonight, this, I took one of these. And this is an all-natural uh, energy drink and elixir, collagen, cat's claw, and astraxanthin. Okay, this I take twice a day. Melissa takes twice a day, and again, you can find all about it at melissahousebg.com. You'll find the uh, nearly 80 clinical trials there. You can order it and try it, or you can just go ahead and get a subscription if you want. 
You know, you just rip the top off and drink it. Just rip the top off and drink it. I, like I said, I had one right before I came into the studio tonight, uh, and I take it twice a day. Highly recommend it. I think it's a great way to support you and support us and support your health at the same time. So pre please check that out, all right? All right, now joining me is Wes Peters from Arizona. Wes, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely, Brandon. Good evening. How are you? I'm great, my friend. Uh, I want to go to a couple articles here. Here's one right here. American totalitarian crypto dollar may come before the election. This is written by the guys over at, the, at brownstone.org. Central bank digital currencies threaten to replace the cash we use with programmable, trackable, and censorable tokens controlled by governments. Your financial choices could be suppressed and <clears throat> privacy eliminated. Based on what I've learned and experienced directly, this could happen before the 2024 election. The best way to stop it is through direct action, not through politics. In my 30 years as a serial entrepreneur and liberty activist, I have never encountered a more significant or urgent threat to human freedom and liberty than central bank digital currencies. My direct experience with cryptocurrencies, insights from researching my book about the threat of CBDCs called The Final Countdown, and an understanding of the political realities regarding CBDCs from my experience running in the 2024 Republican presidential primary that propelled me to dedicate 100% of my time and attention to sounding the alarm on these issues. We are at DEFCON 1. And he goes through why. They lead to total control, your spending, your identity, your life, the political landscape. He goes into that for the United States. But he talks about how this is a threat, how it will impact your life. Technology for U.S. CBCs has already been developed and could be deployed quickly. That's a headline. Most Americans are unaware of what a central bank digital currencies are and could be easily manipulated in an emergency. In recent history, emergencies have driven major legislation that strips us of our rights. It's an article that all of you should read at brownstone.org tonight. What are your thoughts? Wes? Yeah, absolutely, Brandon. And uh, hopefully everybody is, is working on getting their social credit score in line to meet the standard, you know? <laughs> you're, um, being, you're joking, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you were working on your social credit score, this is probably one of the last places you'd want to appear, ex my friend. Ex exactly, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and this is exactly why people... Can we boost his volume a little bit, guys? There you go. People need to get some of their money, their wealth, off the grid, so to speak. Out of the, see, the problem, Brandon, is every investment people have, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, I believe in all of those investments. Uh, I wouldn't have my money in the stock market right now with everything that's going on. But um, you invest in physical gold and silver, you are not tied to the U.S. dollar. Every country, every currency in the world recognizes its value. And by far, the number one question we get is okay, Wes, I buy this gold and silver. How am I going to use this? You know, am I going to be buying goods and services, bartering with gold and silver? I don't think so. But you'll be able to convert that gold and silver into whatever currency replaces the dollar uh, as you need it, maybe three to four months worth at a time. And in the meantime, your remaining gold and silver is still off grid and, and not in instantly converted to that digital currency. So you're doing it on your terms. Because we're really going to have no choice but to use the digital currency if you have bills, mortgage, health insurance, car insurance, electric bill. Um, you know, start practicing. You know, if you think you're not going to use that new currency, 
Stop using the US dollar today and see how well that works. Uh, but you'll be able to convert it as you need it. And I think right now, Brandon, people have a false sense of security that the economy's great, everything's going great. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. This is the calm before the storm. It's already looking like the Fed will not be lowering interest rates in March or June. And the stock market was already counting on that at the end of 2023. And that's why just recently the stock market took a big, big hit um, for a couple of days. But it's coming. The storm is on the horizon and people need to be prepared. Yeah, they do. Let me show you a collection of video clips on the BRICS banking system because we know Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, the United Arab Emirates now has been added along with Iran. Uh, they're working to dethrone the American dollar. There is an economic war going on, not to mention the fact that some of these nations are tired of economic sanctions. So they don't want to be uh, involved in a program with the dollar that allows that. They're just going to create their own system. So uh, uh, here's a collection of clips our listening friends might find uh, uh, interesting. From mainstream, right. Some of them from mainstream media sources. Then we'll have you respond. Let's talk about all of this, the U.S. economy and policy with FedEx founder and executive chairman Fred Smith. Uh, Fred, thanks for coming back. Special report. Thank you, Brett. Our financial capabilities to print money at will is dependent on the dollar remaining the reserve currency. And the so-called BRICS alliance, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, have set out on a deliberate course to dethrone the dollar. If that happens and we can't sell our bonds, I can assure you the living standards that we all enjoy today are going to be a thing of the past. Are you suggesting that we may be seeing more of a a change in how gold is priced if it's moving away from the U.S. dollar as, as the denomination somehow? Yes, and again, viewers want to see it happen tomorrow. And we talked maybe over a year ago about the Moscow world standard. You know, we were yeah. thinking this was yeah. going to happen with this new, you know, Glasiev and Babokov, and that was still years out. But now the Shanghai Gold Exchange is repricing gold. And again, because gold and oil post-sanctions are now traded more vigorously outside of the U.S. dollar, this, again, is not an overnight process. But it was a death by a thousand cuts when Nixon went off the gold standard and neutered the U.S. dollar. Compared to the U.S., you know, compared to a milligram of gold, the U.S. dollar, like all of the major currencies of the world since 1971, have lost 95 to 98 percent of their purchasing power compared to gold. That was death by a thousand cuts. Again, the DXY can go up 25% to spend trillions in QE, but its inherent purchasing power has gone down. That's the key. A million dollars 10 years ago doesn't buy what a million dollars does a day, or $100 10 years ago, $100 a day. That's death by a thousand cuts. This move away from the dollar, whether it's on the SGE or on the Moscow world standard, is now happening. China and Brazil have completed their first bilateral trade using local currency. The move joins a host of other countries moving away from the U.S. dollar in a shift of the global economic balance. You of our currency, I'm talking about our currency being used throughout <clears throat> the world. You want it to remain. You want the dollar to remain the world's reserve currency. Well, I think it's bigger than losing any war. Mm -hmm. I think if it doesn't. Uh, look, we are already reverting to third world status in many ways. You look at our airports, you look at our terminals, you look at our filthy roads and broken roads and everything else. We're like a third world country. We have something that's very powerful, and that's our dollar all mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. But you take a look at what's happening to it now with other countries not using it. And you know China wants to replace it with mm -hmm. the yuan. Mm -hmm. And it was unthinkable with us. 
unthinkable, would never have happened. Now people are thinking about it. That could happen. BRICS nations have the oil, they have their natural resources. They don't have to put up with it. And they're not going to put up with it. And remember, two-thirds of those hombres are not buddies, not friends of this constitutional republic we have. They're our enemies or rubbing up on our enemies. The BRICS group is set to introduce a new currency backed by gold in contrast to the credit-backed U.S. dollar with countries lining up to join the growing initiative. The BRICS countries are planning to introduce a new trading currency which will be backed by gold. I don't like anything that can be printed. Mm. Now, the, the BRICS nations, again, to repeat, for everybody's hearing this for the first time, you might hear about the BRICS nations. That's Brazil, Russia, India, China, Africa. Those comprise roughly 41% of the Earth's population, and they are teaming up together to unseat the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. And now you have Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Nigeria, Venezuela, Algeria, Turkey, and Argentina all teaming up to unseat the U.S. dollar as the world's U.S. You're on it, man. You're on it. You're on it. Everybody listen to this guy. He, he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. You have the oh. macro, macro picture. Very few people have that point of view. And the Great Reset will be the collapse of the dollar. China and Brazil have completed their first bilateral trade using local currency. The move joins a host of other countries moving away from the U.S. dollar in a shift of the global economic balance. According to the Bank of China, the transaction marks a milestone in trade relations between Beijing and Brasilia after a deal was reached in April. The new process of using the Chinese yuan in exchange for the Brazilian real is set to open doors for companies to expand business. What's going to happen? What do you, I mean, how long can we keep this up, Andy? How long can people keep taking this piece of garbage here that we print at will? I don't think much longer at all. I mean, look, it, just in this year alone, the BRICS countries have offloaded $123 billion in U.S. treasuries. China and Brazil and India, the United Arab Emirates, all of our, our, our supposed allies of the past, well, minus China, although we had a good relationship with them for a long time, they're dumping the bonds. And, and there are countries that are, are working very hard to strike deals with one another outside the dollar. And as we continue to print at a pace that is unsustainable, while rates are going higher, we are putting such strain on the entire system the whole system's going to be dragged down, and maybe that's what they're intending to do. But maybe that's why, and it's not just the wealthiest traders in the world, that being the central banks, it's the most sophisticated and well-informed, continue to buy gold at a pace that the world has never seen over the last 18 months, more than they have ever seen. And every month, it's bigger than the last. They know what's coming. And tonight, I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. You know about that? Wow. And we could keep going and going. Pretty remarkable clips, are they not, Wes? Absolutely. And I don't think there's, there's, there, there's no unwinding this, Brandon. I think these countries have made no secret about it. They want to cripple the U.S. dollar. I mean, we just, you know, they just, the White House just announced they're putting more sanctions on Russia, you know, and, um, and that's one of the reasons a lot of these countries want to do away with the dollar. They don't want their, their assets frozen. They don't want these sanctions. 
and uh, the big bully of the United States. That's how they look at us. And um, well, that's because uh, that's the way we are. Sometimes we sit up on right. a moral high horse, like we're so perfect as the wind-driven snow. Well, we're involved in sex trafficking. Or we have our own border guys down there. We played a clip with, uh, you know, earlier tonight before you got here. Doctor Phil told, interviewing a border guy, saying the government knows these kids are coming through here. They're being sex right. trafficked, labor trafficked. And then yet we sit up on our moral high horse preaching at other countries and they're sick of it because they know how absolutely our, they know how corrupt our federal government is. They know yep. how they how they literally physically are raping people uh, and abusing people and then financially raping the American people. I mean, we go to central right. bank digital currencies and the idea of tracking people. This is where, you know, again, isn't it interesting that I've interviewed uh, RFK Jr. You know, he and I would not agree on some things, that's for sure. But we agree on this Fauci and this shot and the dangers of the COVID shot. And in my interview with him, when I interviewed him about his book, The Real Anthony Fauci, a year and a half ago or so, whatever it was, he, he started talking on his own about central bank digital currencies and digits to track you and how you wouldn't be able to move outside where they want you to move. And if you go outside of that area, uh, you're not going to be able to buy a pizza. They're going to be able to right. control you. I want to show you because this is what the Great Reset is really controlling us, getting rid of our cars, getting rid of energy independence. Uh, and this is what 15-minute cities are about. Central bank digital currencies and tracking us includes 15-minute uh, cities. Here is NBC reporting about one of the first 15-minute cities, if you will, right in your backyard of Arizona. Listen to this from NBC News. Right. All right, when it doesn't, then it's not going to play, right? Let me reboot it. Hold on, guys. Come back to me. Let me refresh the page. That that ducking got cold on us, sitting there so long. Here we go. Now we'll try it. Here we go. This brand new rental community in Tempe has all the amenities: fitness center, dog park, outdoor kitchens, but something's missing. So there are no cars in this community at all. Isn't it great? Cul-de-sac is the first community in the U.S. designed and built specifically for car-free living. Co-founder yeah, Ryan Johnson says the demand uh, is strong. Every generation, and including 92% of Gen Z, would like to pay more to live in a walkable neighborhood. Retail, restaurants, and to start nearly 200 apartments, all within steps of each other. No cars means no parking spaces, no garages. Because we don't have residential parking, it opens us up to have 55% landscape space. and We get to add so much to the neighborhood. Like social spaces around every corner. The complex is strategically <coughs> located right next to the area's light rail system. All residents get a free pass. The first 200 also get a free electric e-bike and a partnership with Lyft gets them discount rides. I've been fine just going via rail or just biking. Juan Ramos, among the first 100 to move in here, grew up in Arizona, but left because he didn't like the car-dependent sprawl. At 27, he just came back and says living car-free has opened his eyes. Frankly, for most of the apartments I've lived in for years, I've never even talked to my neighbors. I know people, like, that's Pete over there, that's Ben over there, and I'm like, that's the first time I've said that. Residents often gather near the retail stores, which focus on small businesses. Jada Stratman is moving both her home sense business and herself in. It's not as like affordable out here as it was a few years ago, you know, and having that opportunity to, to live and work where you are and just have it as one, that's perfect. 
Walkable neighborhoods are all well and good when the weather's fine, but temperatures here in the summer can sit over 100 degrees for weeks at a time. And that'll be the real test to see if carless living can really go the distance. Lester? All right. Well, what do you think about that in your backyard? Well, West? yeah, 30, 35 minutes from where I live. I think I'm going to jump in my big 450 dually diesel guzzler and go tool around the Are neighborhood. Are you going to pull your there. fifth wheel behind that when you go too? <laughs> yeah. What's my carbon footprint? Yeah. I don't know. It's oh, can you believe this? Crazy times we're living in, Brandon, for sure. Yeah. Let me go to a couple other quick articles here before we call it a night. Uh, we, we already looked and heard from uh, the FedEx, who's right here in the Mid-South, Fred Smith. Yep. FedEx founder issues dire warning about unsustainable government debt. It absolutely is unsustainable. Here's another yep. one. Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon saying the same thing. Uh, billionaire investor Kevin, Ken Griffin. I mean, all these very smart you know, uh, people are, are coming out and vocally saying that this, this is insanity cannot continue. Uh, commercial real estate trouble could trigger systemic credit crash, fund manager says. Commercial real estate crash seen as most likely catalyst for systemic credit event. Wow. $1.5 trillion in commercial real estate that needs to be refinanced by 2025 at, at currently much higher rates. So that's one of the big deals of the Fed not lowering rates in March and maybe even not in June is a lot of these loans uh, are coming coming due and will need to be re refinanced under more stringent uh, guidelines and um, and higher rates. Uh, so what do people do? What do you think is the um, the second American? What do you think is the uh, answer to all this? Well, you know, there's a lot of things. Um, I think again, people should have three to six months worth of living expenses at home outside of the banks. Um, I think people should convert uh, some of their retirement funds, savings into physical gold and silver, and don't look at it as an investment to make money. Look at it as your insurance policy, your backup plan. Um, many analysts are projecting gold and silver to have a very good year uh, in 2024 and 2025 uh, due to everything that's going on. And, um, you know, I, I've said for years, Brandon, you've heard me say this before, that you'd rather be two years too early than two hours too late. To, to getting yourself in a position to, to get through this storm that's coming. And again, you know, we have all kinds of articles and information. Anyone that wants to get set up on our, our newsletter, we've got a weekly, a monthly. Um, we just go through and find all these articles and headlines because we're big on third-party information. You know, I'm a guy that sells gold and silver. I'm gonna tell people to buy gold and silver, but you can listen to Jamie Diamond and others. Um, you know, they would, they would say the same thing uh, that the dollar's in serious trouble. We're going to lose, you know, the world reserve status. And, um, and that's going to be very painful for and us. And no here. one's talking about putting 50% of your cash reserves in gold and silver. I don't give financial advice, I give financial opinion. But what I understand is you're, you're maybe talking 10%, uh, 15%, whatever percentage you're comfortable with, just something to be a hedge against inflation. This is not a, uh, I'm going to do this to make money. This is a, right. I put it away and I forget about it. It's there for when I need it as an emergency. It's a wealth insurance plan. The dollar falls down, bottom falls out of it. I have something to offset that for a period of time, at least for major emergencies and whatnot. I have something that's not going to go to zero. Historically, it's not going to go to zero. So this is not a, uh, you know, 50% of your assets right. go into this. This is a very, very small percentage of your cash assets moving into these precious metals, putting your gold IRA in your a gold in your IRA, 
These are small steps just as an emergency plan, correct? Per correct, exactly. And, uh, you know, we, we make people, you know, clients that are investing over $100,000, uh, we make them acknowledge on a recorded line that Swiss America suggests they don't put more than 25% of their net worth in any one investment. So you're exactly right. We're not looking for people to clear out the bank or their retirement account and put everything into precious metals. You know, choose a dollar amount that you're comfortable with. And maybe you initially start out at a smaller amount just to go through the process and see how things go. Everything goes smooth. Um, then you can always add more later. You and know? your company's been around for 41 years, right? Correct. Never missed a buyback, right? Never. All right. Never so if you want to get a free packet, you don't even need to call Wes because Wes, frankly, isn't interested in talking to you right now. You know why? Because he's not interested in selling you. If he was just interested in selling you, he'd say, yeah, call me. No, he's saying just text him your name and your address. He'll send you a no obligation free packet of information. You read it, you go through it, and then you write down your questions. Then you can have a conversation with him based on the education you've received, get all your questions answered, and then you can make a decision. If this was about just selling you and strong arm ta tactics, he'd want you to call him right away tomorrow so he could do that. No, yeah. he just simply wants you to give you some information, then have an educated conversation, get the questions answered, do what's right for you. There is no cookie cutter mentality. Everybody's in a different uh, position. Again, I don't give financial advice. I give financial opinion. My opinion is you should do your own homework and then make a decision. Right. There you go. 602-558-8585. 602-558-8585. Just text Wes Peter your name and number. And uh, there you go. You're good to go. Thank you as always, Wes. Hey, hey thank you, Brandon. You have a great evening. Appreciate you it. You too. Wes Peter's checking in. Before we do go, my friends, remember, we're brought to you by you. Uh, one way you can also support us is simply by going to www.foundation.com. The, the foundation is one of our biggest sponsors. It helps us to push out programming for free. We could put it all behind a paywall when we go off the air tonight and say, oh, you didn't catch it live, did you? Uh, that's too bad. Uh, no, we don't do that. I will get off the air here. I will type up a short description of each uh, segment, and Annie will work into the night putting this up online at worldviewtube.com, uh, where you can go and share it with friends, watch it again. And uh, it's all brought to you in part by our foundation. Our foundation helps us underwrite putting out news and information for the purpose of that education as well as uh, a broadcast service and ministry to help people understand the times through the lens of a Christian worldview. So if you appreciate that, $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever you can afford, we are looking for more regular monthly contributors so we know we have a budget each and every month that can allow us to continue to grow and offer more programming. And yes, you will find so many shows right now you can watch at worldviewtube.com. And again, uh, we're only limited by our budget. So thank you for your support so we can keep pushing it all out for free. Again, wvwfoundation.com. Let the music roll, Tommy, and we'll call it a night. Again, I'll be back for you tomorrow at 1 o'clock central right here at worldviewtube.com. We're also streaming now at patriot.tv. Patriot.tv. Our official hard launch is on Monday, February 26th. And boy, am I excited to tell you about all the great hosts that we have signed. Some of you are going to know some of them, and some of you are going to say, I didn't know where that guy was anymore. One or two of them we've pulled off the golf course and said, the country needs you, certainly this year, 2024. So you're going to be very pleased with some of the talk show hosts, particularly some of those coming in the prime time before and around me and after me. We're building an amazing team. 
at patriot.tv with General Flynn and the entire team. Look forward to telling you about it more. But till then, watch us at worldviewtube.com and, and what we have to offer at patriot.tv. Thanks for watching. May God save America. Take care.